The podcast which you are about to listen to is an account of the tragic meeting between two film fanatics who had fallen upon the sharp words of a social media post that put them on a path to do the impossible. On the 3rd of August 2015, Stephen read the post from Dan the Man Morales, beloved punk hardcore music entertainer whose songs include I Want You, I Love You Lindsay Lohan, and Slut Hunt. Anyway, Dan the Man wrote, All you need to know about the USA can be learned by watching the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Cocktails starring Tom Cruise. This quote blew Stephen's mind, and Andy was equally floored. They could not have expected as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see two weeks later when they sat down to record the podcast that would blow the minds of the fans. Both of them. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon recording session became a nightmare. They had to talk about the movie, Cocktail. Things got better when they compared it with the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Well, who the hell are you talking? You talking to me? I'm no funny how. I'm funny. I'm Peter Vinkman. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And the clock is running? Yep, because that's out of a film. (laughs) Okay, so welcome, Andy. This is Andy, and uh, I'm I'm Stephen. Yeah. We're in the conservatory. We haven't been in the conservatory since we reviewed uh, the Christmas, Christmas movies. Mo- yeah, the Christmas movies. It's been a long time. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a decent enough uh, venue. Yeah, it's good. It's we, good. Were, we were going to go into the cabin, but it seemed to be a little bit cooler today. Yeah, it's well, I'm actually welcome. I like the cool. Yeah, a bit hot yeah, yesterday. It was. One key on it. Yeah. Maybe want to drink. Hot. Maybe want to drink heat. It maybe want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> maybe want to like a I don't know. Mix something up. Mix something up. What, like a cocktail. Oh, do you know what? Hey, that reminds me. Oh yeah. Of, of a 1988 film. Really. Of the same name. In cocktail, no one is honest. It's a very dishonest film. But it's almost you. You need a film where it's some weird way everybody's honest to compare it with. Yeah. How about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Andy? Perfect. Yeah. That would be a perfect fa- film to... It's funny because everybody's been shouting Texas Chainsaw Massacre since the beginning of the episode. <laughs> it's like they've got the poster, they know what it's about. Um, it's like, get on with it, guys! Um, Aruba, Jamaica, In one square mile of this saloon lies the greatest concentration of wealth in the world. Yes. But how was a bartender going to get his hands on any of it? This is the big time. Are you ready for the big time young Mr. Flanagan? I think I can handle it. This isn't what I ordered. Hey, don't Get your act together. A white wine. All right. Now, what was it that you ordered? A martini. What's in that? In many ways, the fool a customer. You will learn them all. Yes, Obi-Wan. You get the women, you get the bucks, and you can see the colour of their panties, and you know you've got talent. Stick with me, son, I'll make you a star. I want you guys working for me. This is a real opportunity. Jet set bartenders, right? The Caribbean Jamaica man. Can I buy a drink? My rum specialties, perhaps? Bartender with the line for everything. The bartender. Now, he's about to be swept off his feet. Stay here forever. By the one thing he didn't expect. I don't tell me Brian Flanagan is in love. This lady 
lady's gonna do a number on you, mate. This is more than just a one-night stand. You made a move on her? I'm your friend, you dumbass! Well, I don't have any friends! As of now, that is for sure! Your sexy little smile's not gonna work this time. What the hell is this? That's for you. $10,000? Is that all your daughter's worth? You think I'm letting some bartender walk into my family? I love you. I want to marry you. Throw this bum out of here! You're so hung up on money. You see this? Jordan! This is how hung up on money I am. But as for the way I feel about you, I wish you didn't know. Yeah, so, uh, but we are going to talk about the movie Cocktail starring Tom Cruise. Yep. Co starring. The, the guy Brian, out of FX. <laughs> Brian Brown, the FX movies. Do you know what? I cannot remember those at all. I don't remember the first one. The second one I remember. I really like the second FX one. too, yeah. Probably would have. Yeah. I remember a scene in a supermarket where he was getting, he was using like loads of bits of food and stuff to make all these like contraptions to fight off the bad guys. It was really cool. Ah, it's closed, pal. I know, I'm looking for the manager. What's the matter? Find a hair in your quiche? No, I'm looking for a job. I see. You want to put a hair in somebody else's quiche? Cocktails and Dreams, that's the, uh, yeah. The film seems to be a bit detached from reality because, you know, war is an exciting thing where you've been out. It's like as if you've been on a surfing vacation with your buddies. Or that's exactly hunter, what war is like <laughs> it's like the beginning of the deer hunter before they go to war and it's exciting and they're all riding around and it's fun so he gets on a bus and um, just like any other bus ride he seems to get on with all the other passengers um, that's what you know, happens on buses he sits next to a, a, a woman who's got a child and he picks the boy up and he's saying one day you and I are going to run that New York City that you know, so there's New York City over there. Yeah. Uh, most prominent in the shot is the twi- uh, the Twin Towers, which is uh, if you see it in a different time, it it is actually representative of money corporation. Yeah. He he gets to New Corruption. York. <laughs> he gets to New York, and he knocks on it, uh, Uncle Pete. Yeah. Because Uncle Pete what, what, owns a bar, and he's thinking Uncle Pete's going to help me get on my feet. I'm an ex-vet. People love me. And he literally gets told. Clearly you know, never watched the Deer Hunter then. <laughs> what? He's never seen the Deer Hunter. <laughs> Funny enough, or Rambo. In the same year, he uh, he actually was in Born of the Fourth of July. Yeah, so of course he was. Yeah. Weird, because this film seems so detached from the idea of what it is to be a, a next soldier or or having done your service, even out of wartime. It seems to be a bit of a fun time. So Uncle Pete says, "You got to stand on your own two feet. You know, if you if you can't make money, uh, then you know." I don't want to know you, so he just pushes him out the door and says, "You know, you gotta, you gotta do your own thing." Right. Well done, Uncle Pete. Uncle Pete's a good guy. He's the best guy in this movie. Yeah. I think. He's, at least he's honest. Yeah. Um, so uh, Brian Flanagan goes out to uh, to see if he can get a job. He doesn't just start realistically. He goes from uh, right at the top. He wants to be a stockbroker. Right. No. Not cut out for the stockbroker. So then he goes to a uh, slice down. He wants to go into uh, uh, what's the slice down? Um, broker. <laughs> Porn broker. Porn broker. Yeah. <laughs> he basically goes down the scale. Um, the hierarchy. He, he's at the top, and then everybody tells him no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. So he goes off and he uh, starts college. Yeah. So during his first stint of college, he goes into a bar because he needs to make end meet. He wants to, to get a job. You know how to make a red eye, Mr... What's your name? Brian Flanagan. No, I'm sorry. I haven't had the pleasures yet. What about a vodka martini with a perno float? I'm a fast learner. To throw a 400-pound psychopath out of a bar? Guess I could if I had to. What about a 100-pound ballerina that's been speeding for three days? Just open the door and let her pirouette out in the street? Well, these are just some of the tasks you'll be asked to perform, young Flanagan. 
This is the Upper East Side, the saloon capital of the world, to the big time. Are you ready for the big time young Mr. Flanagan? So he ends up working for Brian Brown, who um, completely corrupts him with these ideals and ideas that, you know, you don't need to have an education. The idea of the film is that he will cheat to become rich right? by looking for a rich woman. Obviously will... the most important thing is, is money. Clearly. Yeah, money, money, and yeah. making it big, being living the dream. But obviously he can't do it in any conventional way. And that's the setup. That's it. Well, yeah. okay. So we, we don't really like Brian Flanagan. No. We don't really like Brian Brown, even though he is quite a quirky character who has lots of poetry and insight. And... The sex on the beach. Yeah! The schnapps made from peach. The velvet hammer. The Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth, the pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy, the iced tea, the kamikaze, the orgasm. And wouldn't the poetry just be there to show the girls to say, oh, look, I'm so deep, I read poetry, let's have sex. Yes, it probably is. Yeah. Right, can I tell you why I'm mentally scarred from this film? Yeah, this, this, okay, now you have the floor. It's, it's a small thing, but I remember watching Cocktail in the 80s. No, we've been early 90s with my mum and dad. Yeah, mum and dad. Friday night film, you know what I mean? And, I, and there's, there's a little bit of sex in the film. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, you hear it more than see it. Yeah. Kind of give me mum and dad the idea the horn <laughs> so that night we got to bed they went to bed early and they had some sex and it was the worst night of my life <laughs> um, <laughs> so just lie there going oh god uh, Aruba Jamaica <laughs> I'm all shook up yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to watch the film since because yeah, of that I'm not able to listen to Elvis since even no and that's why I hate Kokomo <laughs> and you only hear it on the beach you know one bit like you know but so yeah, that's why I'm mentally scarred from this film. That's okay. Thanks. I mean, I mean, <laughs> luckily, you didn't have to watch it again. You can remember pretty much. Oh, I can remember it, yeah. There's, there's really nothing to... It's funny because it's not, a forget a, it's not a movie that you can forget, but it's not a movie that you take with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it's something that you kind of vividly remember for reasons that you can't figure out. And, and that's, why, that's why it's very hard to place. It's not a comedy. It's not a romantic. It's not a romantic at all. I mean, there's nothing romantic about... I mean, Elizabeth Shue comes along and she's this character who he meets on the beach. When he's away from Brian Brown, he seems to be independently doing okay. Mm. He's fresh. You know, he, he keeps on going. He's doing things his own way. Um, but as soon, as soon as Brian Brown appears at the bar, it complicates things and um, he starts sleeping around again and uh, pisses yeah. Elizabeth Shue off. Of course, he doesn't know that Elizabeth Shue is the embodiment of everything that Brian Brown tells him to chase. She's rich, but she's dumbing it down. She's pretending that she's not. Yeah. Um, so, in a weird way, there's no redemption for Brian Flanagan because as soon as he finds out that she's rich, he wants her away from her um, fa- her father. And of course, then they at the end of the movie, uh, well, Brian Brown dies. Spoilers yeah. uh, from alcoholism, and he—I think he cuts himself on a bottle. He, he commits suicide with a bottle. And um, what are we saying here? What is this movie really telling us? To—that's um... <laughs> it. It's confusing. You don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's a, that's very odd. It's almost as if you need another movie to kind of compare it with, in order to kind of make sense of it. How about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Andy? Perfect. I'm looking at this post uh, from Dan the Man Morales. Now he's a uh, he came up with this, and I'm I, I was I was drawn to it. I was fascinated, and I sent it to you, and I think you got it. Yeah. So he said in a post, "All you need to know about the USA can be learned by watching the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Cocktail, starring Tom Cruise." That blew me away. That okay. was profound. I thought about it, chewed okay. on it, and said, Andy, what do you reckon if we did this? If we actually watched Cocktail, which is a painful experience when we don't have to do it again. 
Yeah. Obviously, um, Dan doesn't know about my password cocktail. Or does he? Maybe, maybe. Maybe he knew this. He's just trying to put me through some pain. But the thing is, when I was a kid and I watched Cocktail, I actually really loved the idea of being a flair bartender. I, of course, started to flip things break things yeah. yeah yeah we all yeah we did that we all did that yeah, yeah. and we we just didn't do it very well at all and I was quite disappointed when I kept on whacking myself over the head with a Coca-Cola bottle I kept trying to flip around the back to come over my shoulder and yeah. catch it and just kept hitting the back of my head yeah, yeah. it's weird isn't it I mean it seems so, so easy for him do you think that Tom Cruise still does this do you think he actually no he likes to cling onto the side of planes <laughs> He flips planes now. He flips planes. Yeah. He's got, this is his, was this his first stunt film? Do you this think? Be, yeah, first thing, possibly was. Because I don't think in Top Gun they did any, that he was literally in a, in a fake cockpit. No, he, he flew the plane as well. He, he flew the plane and was the plane. <laughs> he was. He was, in, he was in a plane suit. <laughs> oh, man. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, Cocktail was a bit of a fascination as a kid. And of course, it was at that time where you think, wow, if you're popular enough to be a poetic bartender, you can get the women. That's a bit of an odd combination. I didn't quite get that. Um, but um, I can imagine women being drawn to someone who's like, you know, got yeah. all this like routine going with throwing bottles around and but stuff. It, didn't it make you think, though? I mean, how come? How come these people? I mean, in the, if you look at the reality, sorry, if you look at the reality of what. Uh, uh, what bartending is and what they do in the film it's like alcoholism for example uh, people at the bar don't care that the bartenders are performing tricks okay they don't care they're all just having a good time they're watching a show it's like we're in a musical now right it's like a musical and everybody suddenly stops and they start cheering on the main characters and they're all there for the, for the musical fabrication uh, there's not one person standing at the bar going Jesus Christ I'm going to get better serious at the other place none of you are making drinks yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I asked for a pint about an hour ago, and all you've done is throwing stuff around. <laughs> throwing stuff around. But yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody's complaining, and there's no sense of reality. There's nothing based in reality for this film. They have promiscuous sex uh, with, with women, and this is the late 80s, and surely the, uh, AIDS, thing. the AIDS thing is is kind of prevalent in their society, and this understanding that you know having loose sex with loose people all the time is a risky business, especially for the rich investment woman who wears a, a big um, uh, fur coat. Well, that's another thing. Um, a, a rich, powerful woman, I would imagine, would be intelligent yes. and not fall for the charms of some fool who can throw some bottles around. Just because he's young. Just because he's, he's a young. bartender. Because there are young models out there. There, there are young actors out there. Surely should be socialize, socializing in those corners, not going for the person who actually runs the bar. Can you imagine a woman who's worth millions who's just, oh, I think I'm going to go down to that local bar everyone talks about where you can't get a drink. And pull a bartender. Yeah, can I have a, one of those cocktails? Oh, look at what you can do. Well done for throwing... Yeah, but can I have the cocktail, please? Yeah, All right, yeah, very good, very good. I'm enjoying it, but can you just make the drink, please? Very, okay, okay, I get it, I get yeah. it. Just make the drink, please. You should understand for that. But the weird thing is, is that, um, that she... It, it's you, you, okay. Here's another film that you're gonna hate that we mentioned in the Christmas film, uh, Christmas uh, edition. Love Actually. There's a character in that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this is. I'm, I'm really ruining your day. Uh, there's a British character in that who believes that if he goes to America, all the American women will just fall for him because yeah, yeah. of his accent. He says, uh, says, "British girls don't get me. European girls don't get me. I'm gonna go to America and I'm gonna find myself a girl." And nobody believes him. Everybody thinks he's just off his trolley, right? So he goes to America, and what happens? All the, all the women do exactly what he says that they're going to do. Um, they literally, uh, they, yeah. he literally has six of them, five of them. See, is this a myth? Because some of the lads at work are going to Tennessee because they're convinced, because they're British, to be able to get loads of women. That's it. It's a myth. It's a myth. Are you sure it's a myth, or is it when you went to LA, you were like, loads of people coming on to you saying, oh no, no, I'll just go over here and play cards. <laughs> no, I went to Fargo. Fargo. <laughs> and, a notorious uh, sexy place. And yeah, it's, it's a weird... <laughs> but this is what I mean. The, the idea is, is that 
he's a guy who's in, in a film says, I'm going to go there and this is going to happen. Brian Brown delivers the same pitch to, to Tom Cruise. You need to find rich women and they will help you get where you want to be. This woman, who he, fall, who he doesn't fall for, who he basically has sex with, yeah. she wants to help him be, become a rich man. She wants to kind of drag him up and pull him up and make yeah. him make him rich. But, um, of course, Brian Brown gets a first and uh, and uh, that's the end of that. You know? But what does that tell us about America? The, the American dream is a really fractured, broken dream that has no sense of reality. Yeah. Apart from that... It's, it's to be in the gutter and to rise up. Yeah. And to... Well, yeah. You know, to be this millionaire, to have all the money in their ears, enough money to make Solomon blush. But that's, that's it. Like George Carlin said... It's called the American Dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. That's, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, a, a cocktail is the, the domesticated version of the attack of the American Dream. Yeah. Okay, Dan Morales actually um, commented the other day when I kind of told him that this was our angle. He says, well, why couldn't it be a celebration? I said, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, probably, it's a celebration of freedom. Yeah. There, there is a celebration of freedom in that film. But the celebration are, is in the eyes of those who actually have money in cocktail. The celebration that they're able to do whatever they want to the people below them. Yeah. That's a celebration. And the fact that he, despite everything that he, that Brian Flanagan does or doesn't do, it seems as though he has no control throughout this whole movie. Everything around him kind of dictates to, according to what Brian Brown tells him. Yeah. It's the world according to Brian Brown. Um, or Coglin, as we should call him. Um, at the end, he gets everything that he wants, and he's celebrating the American dream. But the domesticated version of that—it's the uh, yeah. So the American dream is to lie, be, not be misogynistic. You, sometimes you've got to do things in order to get to the what, what get to the dream. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of maybe as that's the celebration. You, as long as you get to the dream, whoever you hurt, it doesn't really matter. That's probably what it is because it's all a dream. It doesn't matter. You're not hurting anybody if it's a dream. If you're asleep, right, you're not okay. hurting anybody. And being drunk <laughs> is kind of a dream. A dream. A dream. Like state. Yeah, that's why you never really see them hungover because. That would be a, 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 a kind of that's, a realization. That's too re yeah, we don't want reality in this film. Yeah, it's the American dream. But there is no freedom of choice. I mean, it tells us that not everybody is supposed to come home with a massive wage packet. That not everybody can live a life of luxury. But ultimately, we're supposed to not only fall in love with the idea of being domesticated, a safe breeder, working class citizens who are there to provide a function. But in there is no freedom of choice in America. There's the illusion of choice, but there is no choice. You still need people to run the slaughterhouses. Yeah. You still need people to uh, to pick up the garbage. Yeah. The only choice the... you've got is like paper or plastic window or aisle seat. Yeah. They got no real. Like, choice. They give you. They, yeah. The choices are all kind of uh, within the consumer. Yeah. Uh, freedom, uh, freedom of options, freedom of choice. You have a freedom of having things now on demand. Um, there's a freedom of of living a healthy choice. Um, or the healthy choice being whatever choice they want to give you at that time, yeah, depending yeah. on what is considered to be... Um, everything is an illusion. Yeah, everything is an illusion. Yeah, and that's, So in Cocktail, everything is an illusion. Yeah. If you compare that with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, things suddenly change. What happened was true. most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. So these graves are being desecrated by some unknown figure in Texas. Yeah. It starts off with that um, gorgeous pan back 
with the radio broadcast. Um, what's amazing about that that first set of sequences as well, the title sequences, you've got that sound of the camera whirring. Yeah. Which I can't reproduce. Really but it's just, I love it. Yeah. That is creepy as hell. When I first when I watched this for the first time, I remember feeling uncomfortable because of that. Right. That winding the thirty-three mil thing, amazing on. sound. They really played that up, and funnily enough, any sequel kind of tries to do, do it, and it just sounds naff. It's yeah. like just don't bother if you can't do it. Um, so yeah, so it starts off with the grave, grave robber, um, big monument with the body on there, and then you have got these five kids, uh, two of which um, are basically gone back to their roots to visit uh, Texas to find out about um, if their grandfather's grave has been desecrated. Yeah. Um, Sally and her brother Franklin, they, they're kind of concerned. They want to know if um, if his grave's been untouched. And That's a good setup for a film as well. I think it's a gorgeous setup. Yeah. There's actually a reason for I mean, a lot of, lot of horror films, there's no reason why yeah. the kids are going. They're just going out to have fun. Well, yeah, we're going on a summer vacation. Oh, we're broke down. Look at that house. We'll go there. But they don't. Oh my God, he's got a chainsaw. He's um, going to cook my butt. He's going to Yeah? Yeah, that's kind of reminds me of another film which... De- uh, was it Detention of the Dead? Well, I've not seen Detention of the Dead. Oh man, it's a zombie film, but they seem to they seem to have made a lot of prosthetic butts <laughs> because the zombies are all about eating butt in that. They don't, oh dear! So they're just face down with their big mound of flesh on the top, and and they're just butt munching, butt munching the whole way through. I like a good butt munching. <laughs> there you go. So the the kids they they get to Texas. They're 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 just riding along. And they do a kind thing. They pick up a hitchhiker. Should we pick him up? Oh, yeah, man. Pick him up. He'll asphyxiate out there. What does he look like? Well, the son of a bitch is going to smell just like the slaughterhouse. Oh, give the guy a break. He can sit by Franklin. <laughs> what do you want to do? Oh, he's weird. Yeah. Now you think that, uh, you know, here we would never pick up a hitchhiker. Because we've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> we, yeah. you know. Um, and I've seen the Hitchhiker. And I've seen the hit. You've seen the Hitcher, yeah, the Hitcher. Yeah. Oh man, what a movie! Um, but to me, the word Hitchhiker is a is a freaky word, you know. Yeah. But back in 1973, I guess they're they're living the dream. They're free. Um, the 70s was all about freedom. Yeah, yeah. late 60s, early 70s. 60s and 70s are all about uh, you know. There's no free love. We can do whatever we want. We're yeah. kids. And we're in a van and we're driving out. I mean, this is this was. We're in America. We're it's the American America. dream. So there's a hitchhiker. One of the, one of the characters says, "Oh, he's going to be he's going to die in the heat. We need to help him." So they're really you know love thy neighbor kind of a, a, a group yeah. of kids, and, uh, and even though when they get closer to him, they don't look at the the blood on his face. They don't kind of look at the manic way he he, he is. And think, nah, let's drive on. No, none of them, not one of them, flags up a red flag until he's until he's in the van for a good five minutes until he actually <laughs> asks for the knife. Even though he's sitting there saying, "Yeah, my my, my daddy, he, he he goes to that slaughterhouse, and my granddaddy, he also goes to that slaughterhouse." Ah, yeah, yeah, I've I've been in the kill room. I'm the killer. <laughs> um, it, it takes a bit of an ugly turn because this guy in the hitchhiker. <laughs> It's, it's a bit of an ugly turn, doesn't it? Well, the, the hitchhiker says, "Hey, let me have a look at your knife." Bad idea, guys. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, they seem so naive and happy to just give him a knife. Now, I'm, on, I'm on that train of thought, though. I know. It's you like, know, show me your knife. No, no. Credits. <laughs> Everything's going to be like that. That's going to be our new thing. That's great. Um, so, show me the knife. Yeah, sure. Here you go. I said that, and then he takes a picture. He, he takes a picture of a Polaroid uh, camera, and uh, he, he shakes it for a few seconds. And he tries to charge him for the photo. You can pay me now, huh? Two dollars. It's a good picture. He's like, no, not very good. And then they say no, and then he decides to set fire to it. Yeah. And it scares them a little bit, and and none of them are actually thinking. Okay, we, we're going to stop now. You've got to get out. Not one of them. They just carry on. They're fine. Yeah, and uh, that is until he has the knife and he grabs hold of Franklin and he cuts his arm. Yeah, only then does he get kicked out. Bit late. Yeah, Franklin's kind of in pain, but do you know what? The next scene, he's got a bandage on. They're carrying on driving. 
uh, Pam's talking about uh, Saturn being in degradation or uh, Sagittarius being or whatever the planets are aligning and she's all gone all mystical and all this Sally she's um, she's preparing food Franklin can I have your knife she uses the same knife that he that the, the hitchhiker not only cut his hand on to, he does that as well yeah, 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 yeah. that he used to cut Franklin she then uses that knife to prepare food the idea of of blood not having any disease that, that, that everything in this in this mindset is honest they don't know you know you can't just wipe a nut knife clean like that and then just use it for food you know there is a chance of disease being passed STDs all kind of things can yeah, be passed yeah. with that knife whereas in cocktail they should have known better having loose sex with loose people all the time is a risky business how are you making out with that little blonde chippy how come I've always got the chippies and you're always with the princess this man's phenomenal Put him in a room full of women, and he goes to the poorest and the dumbest every single time. All right, I like it. Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I do a lot. So, so we move on, and um... yeah, that's good. Hello, anybody home? So they, they of course, they get to this uh, house where they lived, and they had the swimming pool scene. Then they go for a wander, and they find this house. Hello, and of course. Kirk just doesn't just knock and then go nobody's in let's go credits <laughs> <laughs> there's nobody in there's nobody there let's go in let's go in let's have a little wander in and, and, and even though the place is covered with skulls so you can see the big nice velvet wall on the back there and there's, there's an eeriness about the, the, the house you don't know if anybody's in there it's Texas come on think about it um, yeah. No, I'm going to have, go a little bit further in. Hello? Hello? There he is, Leatherface, for the first time. With his mallet. He whacks him on the head, just like cattle. Yeah. So we've been introduced to the idea of slaughtering cattle in the, in the actual scene in the, in the van. And he's just flinching on the floor, and then he gets taken away. Yeah. Pam? Kirk? doesn't go that was odd I didn't hear anything but I'm just gonna go and, and have a look and I'm gonna make the same journey <laughs> and uh, she gets grabbed she runs out of the door she gets grabbed in and she gets put on a hook but that's one of the things I love about these kind of films yes. where the audience knows more than the characters yeah you know what I mean so something just horrible just happened to that guy and then she's like going in so you think no don't go in don't there don't go in because you know what's in there but she doesn't and I like that in a film would it have worked if it was the way around if she went in first and he went in second would they be as concerned because they would probably be thinking that he would might be able to save her so go on go and get her go get her if it was the other way around we probably wouldn't be as worried yeah, I suppose so. So doing it this way, we know that if the guy's got no chance, then this this poor girl with with her uh, it's a bit sexist, that though, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. But that's the way they design it. Yeah, absolutely. To make you believe that that that's that that. Mm. Even though these films were actually trying to do the opposite, they well, were trying to empower the, women. Because yeah, it's the woman who survives. She's the one who survives, but that's not because of of the rightfulness of of. Uh, equality, gender equality. That's purely because guys will be want, will be thinking about her after the movie. Mm. Will be wanting to put their arm around her and comfort her, and um, you know, there's a, there is a kind of a, uh, a menace behind the fact that it's always the woman who survives at the end of the movie mm. because it keeps us craving more of that feeling of of protection over over women in horror films. But yeah, it's it's that's the weird thing. How are we doing? The uh, putting her on the hook, though. That's such a, an iconic horror moment, isn't it? Yeah, the hook scene. Now, um, I watched the documentary and they said that originally they wanted the hook to go all the way through. Yeah. But then people would be thinking about how they did the trick. How did they get the hook to go through? Yeah. So the idea of it not coming through and making it ambiguous is that you don't know what that how that yeah everybody's imagination is different you know either it got hooked up on her clothing or it went straight through well to me it went straight through yeah and then the idea of just being hooked 
Yes. Still alive on that. Dangling there, oh. feeling that it, the weight of it just sinking. Yeah. Um, it's a horrible thing. And I think in the future films, again, the sequels, they went, oh, we love the hook. We've got to have the hook. So they had to have the hook in um, in every other film. Yeah. Um, even mobile, even Leatherface in one film actually hooks a guy and pulls him downstairs with it. Mm. Which... Yeah, it was probably about the only impressive uh, thing that I actually saw. In, in the sequence. remake of the Texas Chainsaw, they do the same thing, but with it's a bloke that time, isn't it? It's a man they hook up. Right, yes, they do, and then mm. they find him. He's in the he's in the tub, and he's got the, the the mark on the back. Yeah, and that's when Jessica Biel finds him. Yeah, uh, she was she was good. Yeah, Jessica Biel was did, great in that film. You do know she was in a TV series, a very Christian TV series called Seventh Heaven. kind of like the Waltons of the 90s really yeah and she played one of the daughters but when I every time I see her I cannot visualise her as being uh, anything but uh, very very religious <laughs> child it's it kind of ingrained it's like seeing Columbo as a priest yeah. it's just, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense but um, that film was I, I think that was the only honest uh, portrayal of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films, which is odd because usually when they do a reboot, like in Halloween, they they take it, take something away from the original. Yeah. And um, no, they, I thought it was a, a faithful sort of reimagining of it, if you will. And it was about time because all the all the other sequels were kind of playing with it as if it was a fan film. But around that time, we were actually in, we were getting decent remakes. You know, because we had the remake of The Dawn of the Dead. 2002, 2003, yeah. And the yeah. remake of Dawn of the Dead was great. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Horror that. films took a, a dark turn, uh, wanting to be gritty and realistic instead yeah. of being like Yeah, like the, the Texas Chainsaw Mask had like a filter over it the whole time, so the whole thing felt really heavy. Yeah, yeah. You know. Heavy. That's it. That's that's kind of it. It does feel heavy, and there was a gravitas to it. I mean, Final Destination was kind of started in that time. The first first of those was actually quite a good film. Yeah, yeah. All the others were kind of just a million ways to die kind of movie. Yeah, that's all they that's all they thought about. But um, yeah, um, but this original, I kind of, I kind of can't I can't understand where they went wrong with the sequels because they had the original as a template to look at. It's as if they everybody looks at it differently, and that the the filmmakers who actually made all the other films didn't see the film properly. They didn't look at it and think and understand where the feeling was. But haven't we just had the same thing discussed with The Exorcist? We did exactly the same thing that they they missed the the the, the I, soul and the heart and the core of that yeah, movie. And again, Politics, all the sequels yeah. to The Sex Chainsaw Massacre look more dated than the first one. Yes. What? The sequels looked looked like televised sitcoms. Yeah. They were staged badly. There was nothing in them. I mean, the, the, they were just basically um, platforms for young actors like Renny Zellweger and um, young actors like Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper yeah. <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey to kind of get, to, to chew the scenery a little bit before taking on meteor roles. Excuse yeah. the pun. Um, but Dennis Hopper an odd decision for him to do that um, I think because he was an embodiment of the Easy Rider the uh, the Freedom films that he himself should have looked at it and said well I don't know what you kids are doing but this isn't Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre this is just you know this is nothing like what we used to do yeah I just Hopper probably doesn't well they didn't care that's probably what it was yeah, yeah. I want to do Blue Velvet <laughs> you want to do some Lynch films we haven't, we haven't touched Lynch in a long time no. I'm sure he's quite appreciative of that but... do you live in Los Angeles and are you into the hard bends of rock and roll you should head out to Cafe Neela on August 29th this 2015 because Dan the Man Morales and his band Pee Wee Herman Cholos is playing out Cafe Neela is at 1906 Cypress Avenue Cypress Park that's just south of Glendale that is also just south of Highland Park. Wow. And if you're coming from the north and you hit Dodgers Stadium, guess what, guys? You've, You've gone, gone too far. far. Event starts from 8pm onwards and it's only $5 to get in. 
Rock and roll, people! Only $5! Amazing! That's Pee Wee Herman's show last playing Kathy Neela, Cypress Park on August the 29th. That is your Saturday night ticket, folks. Dan the Man Morales. Bag it up, people! Okay, so let's do the comparison. Let's look at this. Let's look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Cocktail as dictated. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Now, both movies uh, begin with that journey across country. And it's funny enough, there was a screenshot that I actually managed to grab where a car is overtaking a bus. In Cocktail, it's the, it's the group of veterans overtaking the bus that Brian's on. And in the uh, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's the, it's the kids overtaking the car. It would have been great if they're overtaking the car and it's like cruise, just walking out <laughs> yeah. like, with that smile. That would have been great. I mean, it would have been even better if, if it was all the cast from Cocktail going across Texas yeah <laughs> let's amazing. flip it let's flip it now <laughs> so um, yeah but they're both basically uh, both characters are going back to their roots uh, Brian's cocktail Brian's uh, he's going back to yeah. comfort and safety yeah whereas uh, Sally they're going out to uh, to find out their grandfather's grave has been vandalized right not really, really it's, a, it's a route but it's not necessarily safety I mean they, they, their family used to work in the slaughterhouses so uh, and, and they seem quite comfortable with this in fact all the kids seem really comfortable with the idea apart from when they're describing the, the vicious ways in that weapon that they uh, killed um, the cows Absolutely. Um, Sally is a rep- representative of the drawing into family and um, you know which is why she wins at the end. She she defeats the family of cannibals to escape Leatherface and go on another journey, saying "f off" to the world of chaos that she leaves behind. And just like Brian is at the end, as he embraces family life once again, yeah, and uh, says "f off" to everything that happened in his past. You know, this is where I need to be. You know, I've got twins coming along the way. This is great. But does he believe it? I don't know. There's a kind of like, like you say, this, this honesty, dishonesty. Yeah. We believe that she feels, she's, that Sally, at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, has never felt so free. Mm. She has, she is laughing at the mockery and the chaos behind her. As if it was like, this is it, I'm free now, I'm so happy to be a survivor. This is incredible. She doesn't even think, give it a second thought about what's lost. She just thinks, I'm this is it I'm free this is yeah. the real sense of freedom I survived um, but Brian seems to be under the illusion under this kind of fabrication of what he believes is freedom right. and they celebrate it it's a celebration yeah. she's celebrating her freedom he's celebrating his lifetime in being a father and a husband and a bartender yay cocktail <laughs> so then I started to think okay what if all the characters in Texas Chainsaw Massacre were representative of different personalities of Brian Flanagan right now and we can yeah, as you know from the poster that I did I kind yeah. of stuck all the dead people uh, in his brain you know they're just stuck in there and they're just blood gushing out um, because they've all been killed off these are different aspects of his personality that have been destroyed, destroyed. By Leatherface. Yeah. Leatherface is Brian Brown. Okay, that's that's the setup. And Sally is the only part of him that survives at the end. It's kind of the only bit of honesty that he has left. Right. Family and freedom. Okay, so so let's start with um, Pam, the the girl in the red shorts. Incidentally, when they did the um, the Next Generation. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. they had to have a girl in red pants in that one as well yeah that's it they had to yeah. so Pam represents Brian Flanagan's dream through prophecy the idea that you know one day I'm going to rule New York she puts a lot of stock in astrology and how the stars and the stars alignment that fate is not without its controlling elements whether he, he wants to happen or not Brian loses that, that faith only to have it restored in the face of adversity after the death of Doug, he realizes that uh, what really is true about his false world of million dollar dream. Pam is that representative of, of the uh, the dream. Straight away, Doug um, kills that off with mm. the notion of that's not going to happen for you. That's not going to happen. This is the Upper East Side, the saloon capital of the world, big time. Are you ready for the big time, young Mr. Flanagan? I think I can handle it. Franklin is Brian's admission of helplessness. <laughs> Come here! 
because he's quite a, throughout the whole film he needs somebody there to kind of drag him along the film yeah. he's like Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars it doesn't matter what he does everything just happens around him anyway yeah. it's like Indiana Jones everything just happens around him anyway Murphy's Law despite his inability to get where he wants to go without people's help we're talking about Franklin here in Texas Chainsaw even though that some cases of adversity he scrapes his way through even though it leads him to a vulnerable and emotional attack <laughs> The, the only one that stays with him and keeps us going is that sanity. His sister, Sally. Sally! Sally, they took the keys. We don't have any keys. Sally! <laughs> Who, on the set of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Franklin, the actor who played Franklin, um, went out of his way to piss the actress who played Sally off right. all the time just to kind of give that sense give of realism give that brother sister thing yeah but yeah. really pushed it to the point where he, she was just really really pissed off with him right and you know so there's that scatteredness that, that craziness and she just literally just puts up with him so the, the only part that survives in Brian Flanagan's um, life is the bit that puts up with everything else yeah. all of his different personalities because Sally is able to reason with her present circumstances and deal with them. Kirk. Kirk is Pam's boyfriend. They're the ones that go off to find the swimming pool that isn't mm. there. He's the guy who walks in blasé. Yeah. Um, he's Brian's ability to look for solutions to a problem, however, because straight away he, he thinks, well, we've got to get some gas. We're going to go and find somewhere to gas. Where's the swimming pool? Pam wants a swimming pool. We're going to go and find the swimming pool. He, he's constantly throughout the, the film until he dies. He dies quite early. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't take long um, for the problem and solution part of Brian Flanagan to get killed off by Doug as well. So the problem is um, in Cocktail, um, he would have nothing but his dreams to steer him on. The solution to destroying that is Uncle Pete. Uh, problem Uncle Pete doesn't want to help him. Solution Go get a job. Uh, problem New York doesn't want to help him. Solution Become a student. Problem, the educational establishment doesn't want him. Solution, become a bartender. Uh, problem, he doesn't know how to do this. Solution, let Doug make all of his, his decisions and therefore negate the whole point of having Kirk as that part of his brain anymore. Right. So, Doug kills Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's great. <laughs> are you with me on this? Yeah, yeah, I, think, I think viewers, are, uh, if we had a number count of how many viewers we had right now, it would be <laughs> we like... <laughs> Done. It would be Dan the man, yeah. and uh, that would be it. Um, Jerry, Jerry's a bit of a vague character in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, he's the the guy who Texas what? Texas Texas what? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, sorry, the lawnmower put me off. Yeah. Um, Jer Jerry's the driving force, so this is the only thing I can get from him. He's the leader. He finds his sense uh, sensuality. I don't know where he got sensual. He never got sensual in this movie. <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, he has a fleeting moment, um, but Doug puts an end to the leadership. You know, Doug is that uh, character who says, nah, 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 you're not going to be a leader. I'm going to lead you. Yeah. I'm Leatherface. We don't do leaders. So he kills him off. Ow! Sally looks to Jerry. Um, there's a scene where Jerry says, I'm going to go and find the others. And Sally's kind of like looking at him. And there's a moment where she just watches him disappear. Yeah. As if that part of his personality is just fading away. The leadership is fading away into, into the hands of Leatherface. Um, she knows he's never coming back. So that's, that's all the characters. I mean, Sally, of course, is the survivor, the one that gets, to, gets through it all. Yeah. But all the other ones just die. And this is the idea that, that Doug Coglan kills off every single aspect of Brian Flanagan's personality, the majority of which are false. Mm. They're like the false gods that he worships in his mind, you know, the different things that you kind of lean upon to get you, to get you believing in certain things. Doug hacks them all to pieces with his chainsaw of bartending. Yeah. Do you like that? I like that a lot. So what does that tell us about America then? In terms of comparison between the two films? Yeah. Well, it's all down to honesty and dishonesty. That's yeah, one aspect. Yeah, I think aspect. that's the, the main yeah. thing. Yeah. 
But that honesty comes with a certain amount of naivety. Um, that is a, a more of a freedom assigned to that. Yeah. That that if what you don't know won't hurt you. Generally speaking. Yeah. What you don't know won't, won't hurt you. I'm guessing. Yeah. Because like when Sally drives off in the back of that truck. Yeah. <clears throat> I've always got the the feeling where Leatherface is just spinning the chainsaw around that the most free person there is Leatherface that's interesting and he's kind of celebrating yeah because he doesn't seem angry he's just moving in circles and these chainsaws going round and round and round see that's That's a celebration of freedom celebration of freedom there See, it's, it's funny where I kind of came into this thinking that this was an attack on the American dream. It's simply it's simply putting a spotlight on it and saying, "This is the American dream. This is what it is. This is exactly how it enca- encapsulates the whole idea of the of of everything that the notion that we've actually been discussion discuss discussioning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> discussing. It's all here. It's all kind of all there and present for us to kind of to look at." Freedom is the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Yes, yes. Mm. It's a dangerous. Sally thing to probably kind of... isn't free because even though she's now in safe, yeah, she's still going to go back into the bubble of America. Whatever that may be, True. get a job, get this, get that. But the only person in any of these films that's truly free and does what that person wants to do is Leatherface. That's it. You're right because there, there's no way she's she's gonna. I mean, at, at the moment she feels I've escaped. I'm I'm free. That's why I kind of think in that moment she's that's the most the free she'll ever feel she'll ever in her life. Yeah, yeah. life. That's the most excitement that she's gonna pure real excitement that isn't based on any certain um, you know force feeding involvement. Which is probably what's gonna happen to her anyway. She's gonna be put into a hospital. She's yeah. obviously gonna be mentally scarred for the rest of her life. And so that's not freedom. Be, and she's going to be put away, much like a prison in a way. She's yeah. going to be back into her prison, and yet all these characters who should be, according to society, in prison because of their crimes, are still free. And that's why they—that's why the notion of prisons are there to kind of to take that. I mean, isn't it weird to kind of think of a crime as a freedom? To think of of. Uh, Taking somebody's stuff, being a thief, being a killer, being anything like that. Well, we we don't kill anybody because society dictates that it's wrong. Yeah, which is people have much. made that decision for us. And that's an easy it decision. is wrong. It, it is, is an, wrong. It is, but you exactly. know what I'm saying? It's an easy thing to. Kind we of, don't steal because society has told us that you shouldn't steal because yes. society wants us to consume, not steal, not take. Yeah. Um, everything about our lives has been dictated to us by society, by culture, by what we deem to be right. Yeah. Anyone steps outside of that, you bung, you, you're taken away. You're taken away. Because you don't want... we Society don't want people to be free. I hate to say this, are we talking about zeitgeist here? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> You'll know when I'm talking about zeitgeist. You'll know. You'll feel it. Yeah. It'll be burning through your blood. It'll be there. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, even though... It's it's weird. It's a weird feeling to think of Leatherface as a free person because of those conventions of what we believe is right and wrong, mm. and that's the only thing that kind of takes it away. Um, why it, it was a challenge for me to think of it as a celebration mm. at the end there, um, but they're well, all celebrating around that table when they're when they've got Sally at the other end who is crying in tears, absolutely traumatized, and she was because it was like day three and she'd been sitting there for so long that yeah. she was actually delirious with the smell, the stench, everything was raw and horrible, and uh, yeah, but at the other end of the table they're all thinking that she's laughing. Do you think they it's like that in like Buckingham Palace? <laughs> That's what happens when cousins marry, isn't it? Oh my god, you think they're all sitting there? Bottom of the gene thing? pool, man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they probably just get like some poor homeless person to sit him on the table and like, hey, corgis, no! <laughs> She's just crying, it's been there for days, sat in her own feces. <laughs> it's time for that, all the queen's been playing The Sims again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but crazy, crazy. But 
you know, it, it's weird. I mean, I, I tried to even kind of link in the hitchhiker as a part of being New York. Um, that was kind of a bit of a stretch, though. See that? Uh, no. Sorry, pause it. Yeah, so at one moment I was trying to get um, say that the hitchhiker was representative of um, of New York City as a professional job industry. How the moment they want to pick him up, it's like Brian Flanagan wanting a job. It's like um, the, the trust in and the belief that that this person is a good person. Right. It's like Brian's trust and belief that that New York City is a great thing for him, and it just every time that Brian Flanagan gets told no. The people in the van get told that the hitchhiker is dangerous. So it's kind of lower that Brian Flanagan goes, the lower their expectations of what is that this what is, the hitchhiker's like. What the hitchhiker's like. Yeah. Um, that's about the only comparison I did there. I think it was a bit of a stretch to pull that in there, but um, kind of, I just thought every character represents something, and that's why I said that you know you can do this. I mean. It might be quite an extraordinary um, character observation um, in comparison between the two films, but I think you can do it with any film. No, absolutely, but I, I think what we've got from here then is the two different types of freedom. The illusion of freedom and domestic freedom, like you say. Yeah. He, you know, the family, kids on the way. If Jordan gives birth to a fine Irish son... There'll be cocktails and dreams for him one day to run. A business that shall yield a financial windfall. It better. <laughs> to be franchised in every suburban shopping mall. A dynasty! Burning a dynasty! Now, if a daughter arrives to bless our clan, I guess the shit will certainly hit the fan. <laughs> That's it. The illusion of freedom, and then the real freedom is basically doing whatever you want to do. And it doesn't have to be killing. It's just I prefer it not to be. I prefer it not to be. I mean, they. I mean, if you think about it, the family. I, I call them the family of cannibals, but I, I don't know if they do. They do eat. They do people. eat people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if they didn't do that, if they just worked an honest life and the the slaughterhouse they would still be drones to society they would just basically be feeding the rich mm. yeah were they it making was, were they making a buck were I they actually think, living I think that's free? the point they don't need to they don't need to work they're self-sustaining they're free take no pleasure in killing <laughs> just some things you gotta do don't mean you have to like it they are they are free so if if it wasn't for the killing they could they could be just hermits yeah, living off the land, living honest lives. So isn't that interesting? Out of these two films, the only people who are free is that family. You ruined the door. Get back in there. Get in there. My old grandpa's the best killer there ever was. So out of all these, the most honest. People yeah. is that family? It's a freaky world we're living in. Yeah, take, take that and party. <laughs> take that. <laughs> it's funny. Take that and party. The album by Take That. It's an attack and a celebration. Take that. Hit that bitch. Twins. And party! Yeah. Sorry. I thought it was, was an <laughs> attack on your ears. It is. A, it's, it's an attack, attack on the celebration. It's an attack on the senses. Uh, and a celebration so, of surviving it. So I, I didn't think we could do it. When when I proposed this to you about you know, talking about both Cocktail and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I didn't think that anything would come of it. But uh, I think I think we kind of... Well, I hope Dan likes what what we discussed. I hope so too. I like your comparisons. That was very clever. Very good. Very There's a, there was a lot more involved in this, and I could have trimmed away the fat. 
a little bit more uh, efficiently had I put them on a slow spit roast and kind of slowly watched the the, the fat dribbling off. Yeah. And, uh, and then, sorry, sorry, put sorry. Them on the hook. Sorry, I was getting a little bit sidetracked. But yeah, I had a lot of uh, additional things. But uh, yeah, there's, there's just too much in here to really to really go for. Maybe I'll just put the essay up online, and somebody who's weird enough what? and sad enough will put it on as a blog. That's it. Yeah. We'll blog it up. You can blog the notes, and you can have a look. Just in case you really didn't understand what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. So there we go. That's it. That's another episode. Next week, we'll be talking about... Who knows? <laughs> we're not going to tell you. No. But it might be in another language. It might be in another Not us. Language. We'll talk about it in this language. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if we all, all of a sudden... Let's learn another language for next week. Shall we? Klingon. Ach, <laughs> Take it to the beaver. The hippie hippie shade. I see, I see.